It's Ritzo, yeah, like Ritz, like Ritz cracker. I don't like know the Ritz. Okay. The Ritz. Yeah, for us Brits. The whole thing with pelvic girdle pain mm. is that there's an imbalance in the strength and the flexibility from one side to the other. So the research does show that if you exercise, it does not prevent pelvic girdle pain, but it makes the episode less severe. Yeah. Welcome to Tinto Talks, the podcast where mums and experts reveal what you really need to know about motherhood so that you can really trust your instincts. I'm Octavia, a physiotherapist of 10 years and a mother of two. My focus is to empower women through pregnancy and beyond through strengthening their bodies and providing information and therefore choices. I've also recently become an expert for Tinto, an app that I've seen improve mums' lives with fast, trustworthy advice whenever they need it. Having had pelvic girdle pain myself, I know just how debilitating it can be. In this episode, I team up with the amazing Deborah Rizzo. We discuss how you can diagnose some of the different aches and pains that occur around the pelvis during pregnancy and give you some top tips on how to self-manage. There are so many things you can do to help keep you moving and pain-free during pregnancy. Though I would say, if you are experiencing pelvic girdle pain, or any pain for that matter, please seek professional help early. Enjoy! Um, thank you for joining us today. You're joining us all the way from Ohio, aren't you? Yes, I'm joining you from Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm very happy to be here with you today. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Well, we have got um, lots of really interesting stuff to talk about today, but let's just start with a little bit of an introduction about who you are and what uh, your career has been to date and why you're here to talk to us today. Well, um, I'm a physical therapist. I think you say physio, right? (laughs) We do. I'm a physiotherapist, and I have always, from the beginning of my career, been into women's health before it was a thing. Yeah. You know, like, so I did things like, I graduated in 1980, I have to say. <laughs> so I've been a therapist for a really long time, um, and so I always had worn this women's health hat, even though I was working in different areas in the hospital. Um, and in the 80s, before it was um, accepted, we... And so, uh, two other therapists and I actually had prenatal and postpartum exercise class that we developed wow. and brought to area hospitals. So we were actually teaching d- during our pregnancies and with babies. And then we, you know, taught postpartum classes where people brought their babies to class. Mm. And I was able to develop this program and actually present it at a national level wow. to other physical therapists at, at our association. So my, my involvement with this area goes way back. In the process, I was working um, in a fast-paced clinic and became very skilled in manual therapy mm. and um, was getting a lot of ref- I was the person that took all the pregnant patients and postpartum. Really, nobody else wanted them. <laughs> I think there's you definitely know? an element of fear. Like, if it's not something that you've treated before. So I developed... Uh, an expertise in that because of my background and because of my interest. And then I also developed my own method of treating um, pelvic girdle and sacroiliac pain. I had gone back to school to get my doctorate um, in physical therapy. And then I chose this area to do my capstone project. And so I delved into the research to see if the method that I was using that I developed had any merit and what, what was really going on out there. And so that's how I actually, and I never stopped. So I started teaching then this method because I was getting really great results in the clinic yeah. and I was getting referrals from physicians and I was like the go-to person and developed a reputation in, in Cleveland actually. Um, and then I lectured again at, at the national level about this method um, at our association meetings and at the state level. So it's been, I've been teaching this method since 2011. In 2016, I chose, I had put my 30 years in at the hospital and I chose to leave my practice so that I could continue this work. Mm. And that's when I published uh, the two books that I have. And now I'm branching out to doing social media because okay. my goal now is to not only teach therapists, but to um, 
cause a ripple effect as much as I was educate educate the mothers as well yeah exactly I think it's so important you know it's all very well having all these specialists to to treat but I think you know with the way that information is going these days you know it's it's so much more accessible and it's about getting the right information out to people that people are able to digest it um and then help you know self-manage some of their symptoms so we we are um obviously here to talk about pelvic girdle pain like um which is such an important topic um many women have it in pregnancy it's a really really common problem um and it can be really debilitating for people you know in its worst kind of format you can end up on crutches or in even a wheelchair because the pain is so great basically so um we want to kind of ideally just try and break down what this pelvic girdle pain is and then talk about some techniques that we can do to avoid aggravating it some exercises to kind of keep you nice and strong um and just kind of talk around the topic a little bit so should we start with what pelvic girdle pain actually is yes um so that is actually one of the things that we talked about at this course on saturday because you would think that there should be a very black and white answer Mm -hmm. right But if you actually go into the literature, you have two different answers. So I'm going to tell you um, what they are. So in my mind, pelvic girdle pain is um, musculoskeletal. Okay. And and that's, and it does not have to do with the viscera. And that is, that is, uh, or or, or, uh, um, gynecological type pain. And that is um, in agreement with, uh, Clinton and her team that developed the antepartum clinical practice guidelines in 2017. That's how they define it. And, mm-hmm. but that, that's in the physiotherapy world, yeah. but there's another world out there. And there was an article published that are also guidelines that was published in 2019 and they use pelvic, um, pelvic girdle pain as an umbrella term. And that pelvic pain is, is part of that. So they're using a different definition. So pelvic so pain really rather de- than pelvic girdle pain. Yeah, yeah. So you, so some people would say what the what what we're talking about is pelvic is, girdle pain. It's, it's pelvic girdle pain, but pelvic pain is part of that. Yeah, and they're they're just reversing the hierarchy. Yeah. So, but for our purposes today, yeah. pelvic girdle pain is pain from musculoskeletal reasons coming from our muscles and our joints and our ligaments. And it is usually in the, in the backside um, below our waist. Okay. So below our hip bones, starting if you put your hands on your hips and your hands are on your hip bones. So that whole area in the backside down to the um, end of the buttock, the gluteal folds is where like where your cheeks end can have pain going down your thigh and you can have it actually going past your knee. And that's why it's confusing that gets misdiagnosed with having pain that's actually coming from the lumbar spine. Yeah. So, um, but you can have both. Mm. And also it can be around the front in the groin area as well. So in your, around the It can wrap around and go into the front Although the guidelines aren't crystal clear that that really is pelvic girdle pain, they're more focused on the back. But they do have a sentence in there that it can um, it can occur along with symphysis pubic pain. Yeah. But you know the pelvic girdle is the whole pelvis, yeah. so I think it should be totally included in Absolutely. the umbrella term pelvic girdle pain. But that again is not. Some people do, some people don't. You know, it varies. It, it it can start as early as, you know, in your first trimester. Yeah. I've had women come to me, but it's more prevalent in the last trimester. Um, your hormones actually peak around the 12th to 14th week as far as the, the relaxin, the, the hormone that helps everything stretch so that you can stretch enough to just you know, grow a baby and then deliver it. Um, But the research is mixed on whether the relaxin is actually responsible for pelvic girdle pain. It's often blamed on relaxin. And I think that's quite misunderstood. Like it's not, there are so many other factors that actually cause it and um, relaxin can play a part in it, but it's often not the primary cause. Um, And then just thinking about some of the more Again, this is something that the mothers might kind of relate to a bit more, like some of your presentations. So you'll you'll be thinking about things like pain when standing on one leg, um, pain when standing in prolonged postures around the pelvis area. Again, uh, walking, waddling gait, um, 
pain on repetitive movements, turning over in bed. People often describe like when they get dressed, put their knickers on or getting in, in and out of a car or going up and down stairs is really uncomfortable. Um, and it will be, again, like you said, um, right in the front where the Simpsons pubis is or around the back um, on one side or on both sides of the pelvic girdle. And then again, up to the lumbar spine or down, as you say, sometimes past right. the knee. If your main pain is is above your sacrum or like in your low back area, then that's not considered pelvic girdle pain. Mm. That's considered low back pain. And that's prevalent too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they were saying, they're saying here that um, 30 to 70% of women have some form of lumbar pelvic pain during pregnancy and about 20% of them have severe pain. So that's quite a high percentage. You know, it's one in five having severe pain. We've talked a little bit about relaxing. Let's talk about round ligament pain. Okay. Okay. So round ligament pain, it's a really a good thing to know that it exists because a lot, it can be very scary yeah. because round ligament pain comes on very uh, suddenly and it's sharp and it's right. Like if you put your hand in right above where your uh, thigh meets your belly in the crease there, right above that, that's right where the round ligament pain occurs and it can actually spill down into the groin, but it's very sharp. It comes on suddenly, usually with movement. And many, many women land up in the emergency room with, with that diagnosis, which, which is, is, is fine because it, it's better to be cautious, yeah. but it's so sharp that people get scared. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that is what it's, uh, it feels like. And it's from, it's caused from the round ligament and the round ligament is, like this big when you're not pregnant yeah, so and it holds the, it's about the, the size the, of your little finger isn't it and then it stretches yeah and so if this is your uterus and it, it attaches helps uh, hold the uterus down then you know the uterus gets bigger and bigger it gets it has to stretch quite a bit mm. and so that's where that pain is coming from and it's it's uh known to be one-sided yeah and okay. it's often on the right that's interesting isn't it on the right yeah is there anything you can do to, to treat that so uh, uh, one of the exercises that I recommend to do for round ligament pain is pelvic tilting. And pelvic tilting is when we take our pelvis. Okay, so I'm going to use my little model here. So this this is um, our pelvis. Okay, and if I'm standing to the side and you tilt your pelvis forward and back, that is called a pelvic tilt. Um, and what it does is it, it helps uh, circulation. First of all, to that area, yeah. some women during pregnancy get kind of stuck in one position, like mostly tip too forward. far forward, mm-hmm. but some people are gripping their buttock and they're tipped too far back. So just doing that motion kind of frees that area up. Yeah. And uh, if you do it uh, laying on your left side, then that is um, a, a better position as far as encouraging circulation to the area because we have our major artery and veins yeah. you know, back and forth. Nice. Um, so, that's, so that's one exercise. And then when you are moving and walking that you don't want um, to, you want to not let your body all hang out into gravity because yeah. when you do, if you just let it all hang out, it's, it's then causing this, you know, these muscles to be totally relaxed and more of a stretch. Yeah, your so tummy you muscles. Try to, try to um, uh, not just hang into gravity, yeah. but kind of stand so more erect, aware which gets harder question. and harder, you know, as pregnancy advances. Yeah. Fine. And then if we were talking about uh, what, the, what the risk factors of getting pelvic girdle pain, what sort of things might kind of like predispose you to it? Well, first of all, you know, um, increased body weight. Yeah. So if you have problems with your body weight before you were pregnant, um, that that would be one. Uh, Is that because um, of the load through the joints? So as your posture changes as you get pregnant, you're just putting much more strain through the joints. Yes. Yes. I mean, at a very basic um, level. That's just a risk factor even for regular for regular low back pain. Yeah. 
say and, and, or knee pain or anything it's so true I remember right. when right. yeah I remember when I'd just had my first daughter and then um, I was I still hadn't kind of done any of my rehab and I was going on a walk I had her on my back and I was getting really bad knee pain and then I I had her on this carrier and I took her out of the carrier so I lost a stone technically and the knee pain went instantly and it was like the most amazing lesson because I often say to clients you know if I need to you know this might be a factor in your pain and then it, I'd never but I'd never really kind of just seen exactly how true it was and it was literally like day and light taking her off my back removing a stone of weight right and so you know um if you've had more pregnant a number of pregnancies too mm -hmm. that can also be a risk factor especially if you haven't you know kind of gotten if you haven't done any strengthening or you know got your body back to a um good physical functioning Do you which think a lot of possible? women don't because a, a lot of women don't you know uh, get back to um, maybe the level of fitness that they wanted to in between babies because women tend to have their babies pretty close together yeah. do you think it's actually possible though like if you because the other one of the other uh, predisposing factors is um you know if you've had pelvic girdle pain before so I had it again first pregnancy and then I trained and trained and trained before I had the second baby but I still got I got it like within 12 weeks it kicked in and I wondered like whether it was even possible to be I thought I was really strong but obviously I wasn't as strong as I thought I was do you think it's possible to to train to be to completely prevent it or once you've had do you think those damages to your you know the tissues are permanent you know so I have a question for you before I, before I answer that. Was your pain less than it was the first time around? It was actually worse, but it was mainly because I did a stupid thing and I, I was training, I, I was training with my personal trainer and she asked me and my friend to do an egg and spoon race. And I did a really sudden strong movement and I just felt it go. I felt my SIJ go. And then from that moment on, I had a lot more trouble. I just couldn't do any of the things that I did in the first pregnancy. The first pregnancy, I could settle it quite quickly, whereas the se second one, I had to be much more cautious. So no, it wasn't much better. So the research does show that if you exercise, it does not prevent pelvic girdle pain, but it makes the episode less severe. Yeah. Which you didn't have, but you were also probably an outlier in the, in the type of high-level activities you were doing. I'm, and, yeah, probably. I'm also you know, really hypermobile, which is another risk factor. Right. I mean, so and when we do injure ligaments, they do take longer to heal. They take longer than muscles usually. Yeah. You know, they take a couple months. Um, and so that that's a player too. But um, so the other thing is if you have other orthopedic dysfunctions, other orthopedic problems. So, for example, maybe you had a prior yeah. ACL tear or a prior, prior ankle, you know, fracture or something. Yeah. And that has not been fully rehabbed because if there's a weakness, the whole thing with pelvic girdle pain, at least as far as why I even developed this method, mm. is that there's an imbalance in the strength and the flexibility from one side to the other mm. and or flexibility. You know, yeah. in your case, it probably there isn't, but but um, differences in strength yeah. and see that, see that a lot. So uh, that's why the orthopedic can also lead to that. But there are fa other factors that have nothing to do with your strength, which is kind of interesting. I mean, even like smoking yeah. make your risk factors higher and dissatis dissatisfaction with your job yeah. that, that makes it, um, you know, a higher. So I wonder if that uh, comes along with how, you know, stress, if you are stressed out, you don't tend to manage pain as well. And maybe if you're just, I mean, you know, if you've got a very manual job, those sorts of things can have um, a huge impact and also about the level of support you've got at home. So, you know, if you've got three children, spend the time on yourself to kind of build the strength and, you know, make sure you do allow your body time to recover or, you know, if you've got to walk the kids to, to school because, you know, you don't have access to a car or there's just going to be so many different things. So, Right. 
Um, and also the lens that you wear as far as how you believe your future is going to be, whether you feel like you really are going to get better yeah. or, if, or if you have a doom and gloom type vision. Um, so uh, that is another thing. Yeah. And I think that's why we're doing this podcast is pelvic girdle pain has got a really bad rep. And I think a lot of people think, oh, no, this is awful. I'm going to end up like, you know, with in, on crutches or, you know, in whatever, you know, um, it's, I'm not going to be able to get it any better. But actually, like, there is so much out there. There's so much information, there's so many things you can do that can help manage it and, and make it more comfortable for you. So we've talked a little bit about um, the hormones that can kind of cause the pain. And then we've briefly touched on postural changes, which you were talking, you know, the position of the pelvis. Can you talk a little bit about what happens to the posture when you're pregnant and how that can kind of impact the pelvic pelvic pain well so there's um when we think about the pelvis we uh, we talk about the pelvis moving backwards and forwards which we i had already talked about so that's kind of like home base yeah you know that when your pelvis moves one way and if you continue standing in a certain pitch it changes everything up the spine mm. and we already have some extra um Weights with our breasts getting bigger during pregnancy that it has a natural tendency to pull forward. And as a society, we're doing so many things in front of us that we're already having that tendency. The work on the computers, the work, you know, being on a phone, even, even if you have other children, we're always doing things forward. So without having an awareness of posture by default, we tend to stand, we tend to be standing. Um, instead of with your ear, shoulder, hip, knee in a straight line, or if you stand up against the wall, then you can kind of see how far off you are. Yeah. We tend to we tend to sag in like this. Our the breastbone tends to sag in like this. I have to monitor myself, and I teach this stuff because mm. you know, kind of like a slumpy dumpy type thing, you know. Especially like with everybody on computers now, it's so easy. Like on Zoom, like yeah. you know, everybody's kind of drawing right. in right i mean i'm standing now because i have a i, I bought myself a high low table nice. because you know it's when i'm sitting too much i can really feel the difference in my back mm -hmm. so I, I i i have that capability of, of doing that but you know it's easy to do if you are on the computer a lot you can take your computer maybe to your kitchen counter and then put it up on books yeah and, you know, if you, especially my big pet peeve is with, I know I'm going off topic, topic right. here. It's good. But, no, it's a good postural advice. But with, with um, laptops, everyone has laptops and all the time when you're seeing people on Zoom things, yeah. they, I have the laptop flat on the table mm. instead of having it up on a stand. You can buy laptop stands mm. and then you'd have to get a, you know, a mobile keyboard. Yeah. Um, and it just is a lot easier so I can be looking straight ahead yeah, of instead of looking down. Yeah. And then that prevents this. So so to answer, go back on topic, if you're standing mm -hmm. and you're standing tilted forward and, and slouched down, you see how my, my arch in my back is up here? Yeah. And this that helps, not helps, but I mean, it encourages the muscles to stretch out. Yeah. So, so what you're showing just because this is obviously for the podcast so what you're showing is the pelvis if you imagine it like a bucket has poured water out the front so it's rolled forwards which has then caused the back the upper part of your back to curve more as well oh i've lost you <laughs> sorry it's all right. sorry <laughs> okay don't worry we're back so so we're talking about posture. So, um, yeah, so when you've got that pelvis rolled forwards, the let you know, they get that extra curve in the back. So then what happens is the bump is pulling you forwards. You're getting a shortening through the back of the back muscles, lengthening of the tummy muscles, which basically means that none of them are going to be working in, in the way that they need to. And then also you get weakness around the glutes and then tightness in the hip flexor. So all these things which are basically going to be just reducing all that support around the pelvis. So even though, um, you know, I think this is a really important one because I think this is something that 
anybody who has an understanding of this can make a change to this. So I always say this to my clients that, you know, if you just imagine you've got that balloon coming from the crown of your head, the back part of your head, just growing you up. As soon as you do that, you start to get that pelvis coming back into neutral. So that upright position with no water pouring out the back or the front. And then everything, the ribs get tucked back down again. The bump comes, I mean, your center of gravity is going to be further forward, the bigger that bump gets. But the more you can kind of hold yourself in a good posture, the less strain you're putting on those ligaments. And also, what tends to happen as well is that you, we all know that, you know, if you stand in a kind of hip hitch or like stand in these funny positions, you're not using your muscles, you're just hanging off the ligaments and the, the kind of capsules of the joints. And actually, then you're not using the muscles which are there to, to give you that support. So you're going to get weak and you're going to fatigue. And so, I you know, I think posture is a massive one, you know, and I think even if at your desk or standing when you're making a cup of tea or when you go and wait to pick up the kids from school if you can have that good posture all the time then that's going to make a huge impact from your day-to-day life and and honestly it's probably you know it's probably a height bar to say that we're going to have it all the time Mm. because I think it's probably a little unrealistic but I think that if we can be aware of our posture some of the time that that would be good because the thing is is that when we're in a posture and we don't change it yeah then that's when things don't get get out of you know out of balance because that's so if I'm always walking around and I'm always like this and we all know people that are like that yeah then then when you decide maybe you don't want to be like that anymore it's a lot harder 100%. so I mean in fact I Octavia I just got done I just posted last week um a whole series on posture and posture causing pain on my YouTube channel. Amazing. So people want to have a, a refresher on what we're talking about and, and, and hear it maybe in a, in a different way. Mm. My daughter and I are actually doing it together. I think I saw some videos of you and your daughter. She's gorgeous. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Lovely. So it was actually it was a lot of fun uh, to put together. I so, bet. Anyway. Well, I think I think that's really good, and I think you know one of the best things about all of these this, these podcasts, you know, like you said, that we can't go over everything, but you know, this is just a little snippet of all the information that's out there, and then it's about signposting you. So at the bottom of the show notes of all of this, we will have links to um, Deborah's um, uh, YouTube videos and um, and all the kind of resources that I often use. So yeah, there's just, this is just. Is under is under Ritzo Health Education. Brilliant. Just excellent. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> I'll be looking there myself too and forwarding information for my clients. And then um what about the pelvic floor? Does that impact um pelvic girdle pain at all? Well, you know, the pelvic floor is is a muscle that is getting more attention now lately. Mm. Uh, but it didn't get any attention for sure when I was in school. But the pelvic floor is the bottom of our pelvis, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have our muscles in the front. We have our abdominals. We have our back muscles. But we also have the pelvic floor on the bottom. And then its job is to hold everything up. And it's responsible for our, you know, control of our urine and our bowels and our sexual all our bodies like work like an orchestra, yeah. like all the muscles work together and then everything works fine. And then sometimes if you have a weak link, then you can still get by, but, but you know, it, it can affect the dynamics of everything. Yeah. So um, yes, the pelvic floor is important as well as the diaphragm, because that's the top of the, what we call the abdominal canister. Yeah. So that's why, you know, breathing is so important. If these reactions in the pelvic floor and the diaphragm are meant to be um, automatic, mm-hmm. you know, so um, when they kind of, we can get them to come back if we just pay attention to our breathing mm-hmm. and and I think th- this is where when the pain gets bad, you know, if someone is really struggling um, with with pelvic girdle pain, then this is where, you know, you can literally just get somebody sat down or lying down even and just fire up the right muscles that, you know, get them into a nice alignment. Um, you know, and again, this is something that you can do yourself if you understand a little bit about the body and, you know, just knowing what muscles it is you want to fire up, sometimes it's enough just to settle things down a little bit because, as you say, kind of di- when you when you're heavily pregnant and the the bump is getting bigger and bigger, your diaphragm is not being allowed to go through its full range. And if you don't have that, that's one of your core muscles that's basically knocked out. So, and the same with the pelvic floor is getting stretched and stretched and stretched. So, getting yourself into a position where you can kind of reactivate those muscles and try and give a little bit of strength. And you know, I think. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, again, you know, the, the more pregnant you get, the, the harder it does become to do your pelvic floor exercises. But it's just worth kind of keeping that in mind, isn't it? Just that it is something that you can... And you should be you should be but, trying to do a little bit of pelvic floor whilst you're pregnant. Um, it's not the be all and end all, but it has shown to have some impact on preventing incontinence and stuff like that postnatally as well. And I think it's just developing an awareness of, of where the muscles are, mm -hmm. so that and even so that you can um, reactivate them, so to speak, postpartum, and that's so that you can relax them even during labor so birthing. if you were to describe to somebody uh briefly like how to do a pelvic floor what would you say to them well you would uh the cues that i like to use is just thinking about stopping the flow of urine and stopping passing gas and those get the muscles you know around the vagina and around the rectum mm -hmm. and they have done research that shows a lot of women actually think they're contracting those muscles but they're but they're not um so you know it, you don't want to be getting your buttock working or you don't want your inner thigh muscles working when you're trying to just activate those. Mm. Um, it's, but of course, we actually, as therapists, give exercises and there are exercises in my book that you actually do contract those with a certain time of, of in the breathing cycle yeah. and get other muscles coming in like your abdominals and things like that. So there's two different approaches but to just isolate it and get that pelvic floor muscle working um is is a, is a good practice for women to know how to do and i think it's worth saying as well that you shouldn't be trying to stop urine flowing it's actually just more that that feeling of doing it so you shouldn't do it on the loo because often people are taught to do it on the loo and actually practice stopping urine and actually that's not the best practice is it? Not the best practice but i don't have a problem with people just trying to identify the muscle mm. It, you know to do it but not to do it as a practice yeah exactly exactly yeah and I think it's you know I think people often forget the back passage as well you know I think you know you've got to remember that the pelvic floor is um you know multiple sheets of muscle under on the underside of the pelvis and it is it's front to back or back to front you know you need to you need to be moving the whole part not just one bit fine um Lovely. And then, OK, so we've talked about kind of doing a bit of exercise or just kind of being in your, um, you know, most kind of fit and strong, healthy state before you get pregnant. Um, so then you feel like you're getting this pain. Where would you kind of seek advice from? Um, what, 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 what would your first port of call be if you start to get pain in, in the pelvis? Well, I, there's physical, there's physiotherapists, physical therapists that are trained in um, pelvic health and obstetrics you know uh, pregnancy and postpartum yeah and if you are able to access someone like that that would be you know the, the first choice I would I would say um, if you don't I mean that's why I wrote the book honestly to try to and have I'm do, reaching out for social media just because I want to provide women with some really basic simple exercises because mm. you know simple is 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 good yeah Simple is good. And when we're talking about um, pregnancy, you know, I mean, people are out there doing all kinds of things, right? Some people are doing CrossFit during pregnancy yeah. and things like that. And that's not, those are not the kind of exercises that, that I'm talking about because I'm trying to help people that are, are in pain. Yeah. So I would suggest that if you are in pain, you probably, um, you, first of all, you want to keep moving, you know, but you need to use good judgment on what you're doing. Yeah. If you were, you know, jogging for six miles or training for a half marathon or whatever, and you're starting to get pain, I would suggest you probably shouldn't push through it mm. because I think that's probably not, not, not a, a good thing to do. Should you stop moving? No, absolutely not. Bed rest is never recommended that you should move as much as, much as you can um, because you're not going to be really damaging your body but you just want to respect the pain it's yeah. a two-way it's a two-way street you have to use good judgment and that's where these simple remedial type exercises come in yeah yeah and I you think know. you know for in, um in England you know we would 
I think the normal pathway is just to speak to your midwife or, or, or the GP and then they would refer you to physio. But I would really recommend anybody listening to this that if you have pelvic girdle pain and you're told that you're going to have a, a six to eight to three month waiting list, like I would definitely spend the money on going privately or you know if you go to Tinto for example out uh, the app um you know there there is access to physiotherapies uh, physiotherapists on the app and i think um you need to get advice earlier rather than later because the the further down the line of pain you get the all these different things can start kicking in like fear of movement and you know like um you know you might be limping for example and and causing more damage to other joints and i just think it's really important it, sometimes it's such simple things that can be put in place to make the changes like you said you know some really simple breathing exercises postural changes even just avoiding we'll go into what, uh, what sort of things to avoid in a second but um, you know i just think the sooner you get specialist advice the the more manageable your your situation will become and i think you know you might only need to see um a physio once or twice um to get you on the right path to continue to be to keep as active as possible as time goes on and um you know i think i've spoken to a lot of people who've been like oh it's all right the pain's not too bad and you think well you're only four months pregnant at the moment and you know you've got a long way to go and you know it is really important to kind of get that that right advice um cool so let's talk through some of the treatment options you know that 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 you know um you would kind of advise that i think we'll start with some of the kind of more self-help stuff because obviously that's kind of what's going to be most useful so um what sort of things would you do to prevent you've already talked about um you know kind of listening to your body and pacing yourself but what other things can kind of aggravate pelvic girdle pain I've already alluded to this before, but if you have a imbalance of strength in between your sides of your body, yeah. that's a huge thing. Our buttock muscle is the main stabilizing muscle of the pelvic girdle. Yeah. It helps stabilize the SI joint, um, and and we see often, and it's well documented that the glute max. Um, muscle, which is the big butt muscle, tends to get really weak in low back pain in general, as well as in pelvic girdle pain. And so a good way of even seeing whether you're, you, it, whether you have that problem is by just trying to stand on one leg mm. and do that in front of a mirror, for example. Um, and then you have your hands on your hips. I mean, if, if, if obviously you should be close to a wall or something so that you don't fall, but, <laughs> um, but stand on one leg and you can maintain that. Um, you should be able to, to feel the same standing on the right side versus the left side and, and the length of time. Yeah. So normal, now normal, you know, it should be close to 30 seconds, some somewhere in that area for mm. the population that we're talking about. You know, when you get older, you lose that time. Yeah. You you lose the length of time that you can do well, usually, because that's what happens with aging. That's mm -hmm. what the norms are showing. But um, if you can stand on each leg without having your hip drop on one side, mm -hmm. so that if you're standing and you are having one leg up and you drop your hip like that, that's because there's weakness in this side. Mm want to have your knee up kind of like at 90 degrees yeah so if, and if you're standing if you're standing that you should be able to do it evenly on both sides without losing your balance and then that's a pretty good indication yeah. that your muscles are uneven and and actually another really simple thing to do is stand in front of a mirror with your pants on and just look at your bum and if one side is weaker than the other then you you know you'll see like it's just a different shape as well and it will often be the side, obviously, that the pain is on. Um, but yeah, okay. What other things? Um, what other things? So we, we're going to. So obviously, balancing out the strengths. Strength. Yeah. Then flexibility. Mm -hmm. in and what, so in what the hips or the big butt muscles? We have layers of small muscles. Yeah. And those muscles, when the big butt muscle is weak, tend to overwork, and sometimes those get really tight. Yeah. And when they get tight, they can cause pressure. And they can cause pressure on nerves, and those nerves can talk back to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, by improving the flexibility and in improving the um, you know range of motion is what their therapists kind of talk. Yeah, uh, that will help 
balance your pelvic girdle. And that is, um, you know, really, that's it in a nutshell. It's the flexibility and the strength between sides that gets us in trouble, combined with our habits that we develop. So, you know, standing, like you already talked about this, Octavia, standing on one leg, like, like if you're standing talking on the phone, you might be standing, you might be standing shifted over like this. I mean, how many people just stand like this all the yeah. time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or with oh, the baby on the hip. And holding the baby on that one side. Yeah. You know, so that actually is um can feed into this. So things that we do can feed in to weakness mm. and cause more problems yeah and I guess it's things like looking at you know how are you if you're if you're walking to work and then your day is very man you know very up and about your you're working for as a nurse for example on a busy ward you know how can you manage that can you get the bus to work rather than you know taking the tube and going up and down 17 flights of stairs or can you um asked to do two short shifts that you work in the morning then you go back and you do some some uh, you know admin stuff and talking to your your boss about how you can kind of manage your workload so that you're not putting quite so much strain um through the body you know I think it's your 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 boss should support you if, if you're working through how to kind of manage the load that's going through your body and ensure you're able to work for as long as possible and that's going to feed into your satisfaction with your job as well you know I think you it's very important when you when you're pregnant and most places do kind of you know as a kind of just a risk assessment of you know how they can support you through your pregnancy um I mean I had it when I worked in the NHS but I don't know whether that's just because it's a very manual job but um but yeah I think you know these sorts of things you've got to be vocal about them I there is no point suffering in silence and you know and and then and because it will be really debilitating and you've got to kind of put measures in place that will enable you to keep active longer um again it might not take your pain away but it will just help it become more manageable right i think those are great tips um what about footwear i saw you did a little post on footwear the other day yes yes um i have found through treating many many patients that a lot of people take their shoes off when they come in the house Mm. which is you know which is good practice i have nothing against that but then they are barefoot or they're just in their socks And they don't put anything else on their feet. And in general, if you, unless you have like really, really cushy carpet throughout, if you are walking on harder surfaces, even if it's a thin carpet, but it's hard, we're um, putting a lot of extra stress on the ligaments and muscles in our feet. We have a lot of small little ligaments and muscles in our feet. And so during pregnancy, especially and postpartum, we have, you know, a lot of changes that are going on in our body. So we, if we don't have a good support on on our foot, that those those ligaments just tend to like loosen with all the other ligaments in our mm-hmm. body, and then the, your foot flattens. And so many women think that they've gained a shoe size during pregnancy, but really, my, and I haven't seen this written anywhere, but in my mind, it's just that arch is flattened, and when it mm-hmm. flattens, the foot gets longer. So my advice is to have a pair of shoes that are dedicated to the house. And I recommend athletic shoes. And then, you know, wear wear those and wear those in the house. That's what I do. I have a pair of shoes I wear in the house so that when I'm, you know, I get up in the morning, I put those shoes on. Yeah. You know, and so, and and I also have seen a lot of pregnant women wearing flip-flops. Just because they're easy to get on. They don't have to bend over. (laughs) And I understand that. But there are more and more shoes on the market that are sandals that have a good footbed. That's what we call that the bottom part, a good footbed. So you can see whether it's just a flat piece of rubber or whether there's indentations where your foot should go and whether there is a little bit of an arch support. Mm. Because that would definitely be a preferable Mm. sandal. There's um there's a really good resource as well which I'll put at the bottom from the POGP
They've got some really good leaflets on things like, you know, um, lying in bed with a pillow between your knees, making sure that when you're rolling over, you keep your knees together, getting in and out of a car. So you get in like a lady. So you sit your bottom down first and you bring both your legs in together rather than kind of lunging in and just not putting some of those it's single leg oh, pressures through okay. through the pelvis. Because, again, like when you do have those muscle imbalances, it's about trying to prevent what we call shearing through the pelvis. So even though the pelvis is um, a ring of you know three bones held together with muscles and ligaments and all that sort of stuff, um, as you get bigger and you don't have as much kind of um, support around that area, um, yeah, that kind of trying to make sure the load remains even through the pelvis, that can help um, just reduce some of the pain. And one of the things as well that we... Um, um, you know, if somebody says to you, oh, it's like a an instability of the pelvis, I think those are the sorts of terminology that we really try and avoid because I think, you know, it's your pelvis isn't unstable. You're not going to fall apart. Um, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, can be done to help it. It's more just that you just need an, a bit of extra, you know, a bit of extra support with the muscles to kind of help help reduce the pain. Fine. Okay. Let's just quickly, oh yeah, let's quickly talk about taping and bands and belts and supports and things like that. So what are your thoughts on those? Um, I, taping is, can, can offer some nice relief. Um, there's taping for the belly muscles. There's taping for the, over the SI joints. It's, it can be, um, it, it can give some nice relief and there's a lot of information on the the internet regarding different taping techniques. Mm. So I actually have taught some kinesio, kinesio tape courses uh, as an as a lab assistant, and I used it a lot in the clinic. Mm. But the, you know, the barriers are that it's harder to put on yourself. Of course. Usually. I mean, in the belly, you can do the belly, I guess. Um, just offload a little bit, just kind of give it that extra little bit of support where the tummy muscles aren't as strong. And um, what about kind of tubi grips and, and belts? Do you do you advise those? I really have found part of the method that I use, that I teach, involves um, considering a sacroiliac belt mm -hmm. because I have seen it really, really make a huge difference in, in for women. And I know that there's philosophies out there that people shouldn't be wearing belts because then their muscles aren't working. Mm. But what I tell my my clients is that the, this is going to help you for a couple months. Yeah. It's not like something that I expect that you're going to need forever, but until we can get those muscles stronger. Now, if you're pregnant and it's helping you, then we're not really probably, I mean, it, then we're going to probably use it in the postpartum period. And then you're going to really build your strength up yeah. after the baby. You know, but if it can give you some relief. So if the muscles in the in the pelvis become balanced, and then you put the belt on, and then you're going to get some relief. So if you mm. put a belt on, and it is actually making your pain worse, then that's not going to be good for no. you, right? But if you can then work on getting the strength and flexibility more equal between your sides, and then try the belt on again, exactly. After some exercises that might be really you might be really happy yeah I think they can be so beneficial and I think the other thing is is that there are so many out there um and I think it is probably a bit about kind of trial and error everyone's different shapes and sizes you've got the ones that go over the bump that go under the bump that just one strap there are three straps you know lots of different ones but is there any one that you specifically recommend well in my mind I divide it up into sacroiliac belts which go have give you quite a nice compression right over your pelvis, uh -huh. so right below your hip bones in the front and then over the sacrum. Yeah. And then there's then there's a, a, a type of support that really just is giving your abdominals help. Okay. And those are the ones that have, are bigger and wider and they actually lift up your abdomen. Uh -huh. So if you are walking around and you're always walking around with your hand holding your abdomen, you probably would benefit from that type of support. Someone okay. that knows that they're having you know, twins or even triplets or whatever, they would probably just feel really great mm -hmm. with a, a maternity support that completely, you know, uh, is what you're talking about is bigger and covers the whole abdomen. Um, Amazing. First, it's the sacroiliac belt, which focuses on the biomechanical. Yeah, giving that extra support around the pelvis. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, I'm aware of the time for you. <laughs> 
So what... Yeah, my goodness, time flies when you're having fun. Can you just give me what your top three exercises are then for pelvic girdle pain? Okay, so I have exercises that are part of a pelvic girdle musculoskeletal method, Uh which I actually... Uh, and and there's it's it's two and that's it, the whole, both of my books are based on that. Okay. And it's an algorithm, and it's based on your signs and symptoms. So if I'm not talking about that, but if I'm just talking about um, uh, remedial exercises, I would say that the um, postural exercises that work on getting you standing in the right posture. So the pelvic tilt in, in, in hands and knees, yeah. in sideline, uh, in standing, being aware of your pelvis, being aware that you're, you're not sunken down here. The other tidbit on this thing here being sunken down is that when you stand like this, it actually helps you with your confidence. Yeah. and how you're feeling and your outlook versus walking around like that, which I really meant to mention. Um, yeah, that's true. I like that. Yeah. And um, I think knee to chest is a really great stretch, and women will find when they're, when they're bringing their knee to their chest that that can be tighter on one side than the other. And, you know, obviously if the baby's in the way, you have to kind of hike that leg up. Yeah. And then stretch for the piriformis muscle, yeah. which is, a figure of four stretch. Yeah. It's a butt muscle stretch. It's a butt muscle stretch and that can be done. Um, and I have these exercises on my Instagram. Okay. Page, and I also have a half an hour tutorial exercise class that I made for a nonprofit that I just posted a couple weeks ago to YouTube that I go like, you could actually go and do all these exercises like the chin tuck for your neck and, um, the pelvic tilting, knee to chest, clamshells, all these very basic exercises for pregnancy and postpartum. And there's a free downloaded, downloadable handout Amazing. that is um, mobile friendly. So you can look at the exercises on your phone that's compatible with uh, YouTube. So that would be what I would really recommend because it's it's yeah. um, really very basic, simple exercises you can get a lot of relief from. Love it. Thank you. Amazing. So thank you so much. You've given us so much information. I feel like this has been really accessible, hopefully. I hope that everybody finds it really accessible because I think there is so much, it's very hard sometimes to balance it for, you know, the pregnant woman rather than for, you know, the, the, the therapist trying to treat. And I think hopefully people will have a much better understanding of what pelvic girdle pain is and some of the really simple things that they can do just to, just to you know, start to make it a bit more manageable. And I think the key takeaway message is if you're not sure, there's lots of information out there go and seek professional advice um and and check out dr ritzer's um youtube videos and and website because she's clearly got lots and lots of information um and download the tinto app as well because that is where you're going to get all the access to to all the professional support as well thank you so much for joining us today well listen we'll be in contact and thank you so much um it's been really really helpful and um i hope you have a good rest of your day over there and um i'll speak to you soon okay All right, thank you. All right, take care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tinto Talks. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to Tinto Talks so that more mothers can find trustworthy answers to those burning questions. Have a wonderful week and thanks again for listening.